Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. So we've been in a series called Declaration. We've been talking about how what we say matters. And um, so for sure, James, uh, man, the book of James has a lot to say about our mouth and, and the words that come out of our mouth and the power that, that's in the tongue and the words that, that we speak. But I think at the end of the day, we, we've, uh, we rested on how Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. And so that's definitely something that we've been wrestling with. We've kind of been... Uh, trying to wrestle to the ground of, yes, okay, so at the end of the day, let's be very clear that um, what we've been trying to come across and to teach from God's word is not a word of faith stuff. And for some of you who have never been in church circles before, there's a, there's a thought pattern of word of faith theology, and that's basically that if I were to walk out to my rusted out Ford Pinto every morning and I were to speak some kind words to it, and I tell it, you're not a rusted Ford Pinto you're a bright, shiny, yellow Lamborghini. That one day I'm eventually going to walk out there and that Ford Pinto is going to transform into a yellow Lamborghini. And that is not what the Bible teaches. That's not what we're trying to convey. At the end of the day, uh, we look back into the Genesis account of creation and that everything that we see, everything that we, we witness as we go out these doors and we just look at, at, at nature, at trees, at everything literally came into existence because God spoke. So I want to be clear that, that there's nothing that comes out of our mouths that could change a rusty Ford Pinto into a yellow Lamborghini. But if God wanted to do that, he could just open his mouth and it would happen. Because that's what happened with the creation of the world. And that's the power that we have in him, being a part of his family and being a part of his mission and what he's doing. And so when we open our mouths, it's not a Look at me, or my dad's going to whoop your dad. Uh, it's not one of those things. But it's knowing who our Heavenly Father is, what He's capable of, and getting our hearts in alignment with the things that He cares about so that when we speak, we know who we're speaking for. I did not plan to say all that. Um, but what the Bible does teach is that you and I, and this is, I'm speaking to especially if you're a Christian or you're a, a person in the room that's trying to follow Jesus, you've decided to hand him the keys of your life, and you're no longer in the driver's seat. You've said, hey, I'm giving you control. Take the keys of my heart. You have my life. You have my future. You have my family. You have everything. You get in the driver's seat because you and you alone won't screw this up. And if you are that person, if you're here today, I want you to understand that the Bible tells us that the, that the words that come out of our mouths can do one of two things. They can build up or they can tear down. The tongue has the power of life and death. And the words that we speak have an effect on those. And those, they have an effect on us and they have an effect on those that hear those words. And last week we talked about what we say about our marriage matters. And we talked about that, that, that beautiful union that God has brought together. And today we're going to kind of continue in this theme of the household. 
And specifically, we're going to be speaking about what does what is the words that we have to say to our children and from the children relationship to the parent? What, what does that look like? And what does the Bible have to say about that? And what are the power of words in that relationship, in that context? How does that work itself out? What does the Bible speak to that? So today we're going to be talking about that. The power of our words in relation to parents and their children. And before you tune me out and you're here today and, and you either know you've never had kids or, or you have parents maybe that are no longer here, I want to remind you that each of us have people in our lives that this word will pertain to. If you're here today and you've and you either maybe maybe you have played the role of a father or mother figure in the life of someone who didn't maybe know their parents or maybe maybe they maybe they had great parents and that would be that'd be my case. But I've still had people in my life that in spite of the, the parents that I had, that they played that figure. They played a mentor, a person that came along that God brought, and they played that role in my life. I think about, I think about uh, coaches that I've had. I think about teachers. I think about, I think about pastors that I've had, youth pastors, and even bosses that have had. And God's used these people in, in a powerful way in my life as a like a spiritual parent. So if you're here today and maybe maybe your your kids aren't here, you never had kids, maybe it's the relationship that you have to people that God's brought you alongside to be that figure to them. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you're here today and you can absolutely look back and say, I, I think about my life and I can think about so many people in addition to my parents that God used to help shape and to mold me and to encourage me and to build me up. And so whether or not you're the, the, the spiritual parent or the spiritual child in that relationship or the recipient of that, I just want to say that this word, I believe, speaks to everybody. I don't care if you never had biological children. I don't care if, if you're... Uh, if you'd never knew your parents, this word applies to you. This word speaks to you. This isn't just a biological conversation. And I can tell you with, with, with full certainty that I am the product of someone taking the time to pull me in and to be a father or a mother or a cool uncle figure. I've had great parents. But... As I said earlier, God's brought some incredible people into my life. Um, as I was thinking through just a list of people, and this is not exhaustive at all, but Wanda Sons and Gene Dunning were my first bosses. And they um, were also board members. My dad pastored, and so uh, they were board members. They were Sunday school teachers. They were highly involved in the life of the church. And sometimes when my parents needed to get away, just just to have a, just to have a weekend, just my mom and my dad being together, we'd stay over at Wanda and Jean's house as kids. They were my first boss. They actually had a flower shop that I, you'd think like, wow, you really that was your first job at a flower shop? Yeah, it was. And maybe that's why I'm so anal when it comes to like weird detaily stuff. But I think a lot of it had to do with just at the end of the day, they helped me understand and have an eye for the way things. Uh, how things can look if it's really put together in a way that it's like, wow, that's beautiful. How did you do that? 
And so I learned, learned stuff like that. But these two ladies loved Jesus, and they poured into my life and the life of my brother as well. I think about Jim, or Kim Reeves. She was a youth leader in our church. And we didn't have enough kids to actually have a youth group or anything, but, but sometimes that we would just end up over in the fellowship hall or in a big room off to the side, and we'd have a, a time where we'd have a Bible study together, and we'd go eat at, at a place kind of like what Nathan and Emily do. And it was so meaningful to me. And it was, a per- it was a person that God used to speak into my life. And sometimes, yes, they were just saying and reiterating the things that my parents said. But for whatever reason, it, when they said it, it just sounded so different. And I wanted to lean in. I think of another guy. His name was Jason Shirella. He was my first basketball coach. And uh, he was also my English teacher. And I hated him for, for that. I, uh, I had so much... I had so much uh, difficulty in his class, but it was because he knew what I was capable of, and he knew that I was just half rear-ending it, and he called me on it, and he was my basketball coach, and so there were consequences when I was not doing great in the English room, I was paying for it that afternoon in practice, and I, he never told me that, but I knew it, I knew it. But he played a significant role in my life. And it, I went from a subject being something I really, really struggled with into something that I actually began to enjoy. But it was someone who was playing that fatherly-like role in my life. Think about Mr. Von Drack. He always had, he wore like, he was like, if you could think of the 70s in a person, he was that era. He had loud clothes bold colors. He had a mullet, and he had those real thick Unabomber-looking glasses that didn't have the clear lenses in them, and he was always doing goofy stuff, and he was that weird teacher that everyone's like, that guy's nuts. And he was always doing, sing, where I attended a Christian school for a while, and he would, he'd be the guy that was talking about, uh, you know, deep and wide, and I got this feeling down in my soul, and he'd point to his shoes, and he'd have all these cool little things, and man, as, as a kid, Initially, I thought, my friends think that he's weird, but he played a key role in my life. I think of Coach Hansen in college. I think about Damian Shoemaker, a youth pastor that I was wrestling with some things as a, as a college student. His, his office was a place that I could go to and I could lean into and ask questions and say, I'm having a real hard time with this, or I'm really struggling with this. Can you pray with me? Or can you just listen? Think about Ron Bradley, who was a campus pastor at CBC when I was living a two-faced life. It was the one person that I felt like I could be honest with and I wasn't going to be judged and treated differently because of the stuff I was dealing with and going through. And he went to college with my dad back at Zion Bible Institute in Rhode Island. And somehow God positioned him in my life for a moment to be a father-like figure that was there for me when I needed it. I think about John Drackett, the best man in our wedding, who walked a very similar path to the one that I had walked a couple of years previous, and God positioned him in my life, and he spoke words that were hard to hear often. But he once again saw the potential, and he knew with those spiritual eyes what God was doing inside of me, and he was not going to let the opportunity pass him by for not speaking life and not speaking at times a word of instruction to me. Jared Strong was another pastor that came alongside Ray Ropke was the man I've talked about before. Who He was in his 70s, and he approached me on a Sunday and said, Hey, do you golf? And I said, I've never golfed a day in my life. He said, what are, you doing, what are you doing this Saturday? And for a year and a half, he never let me pay for a round of golf, and we went out regularly. 
and I walked I walked down those fairways and greens with a gentleman that didn't need to do what he was doing, but he took time because he loved Jesus to invest in me. And he's no longer on this earth, but he and people, more I've got more people on this list, literally took time and were a very powerful influencer in my life. And what made it powerful is they didn't have to. They chose to do that. I'm a different person because of them. I'm a better person because of them. And I'm thankful to God for them in my life. Each of these names represent someone who took time to invest into me. Whether they know it or not, they encouraged me. They spoke life into me. And I'm forever grateful for the impact that they made on my life. Today we're going to be in a book of the Bible actually called Ephesians. And the reason that it's called Ephesians is because it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison in a place called Rome. This letter was written from him to followers of the way, followers of Jesus. They were in a city called Ephesus. And the portion of scripture that, that we'll be in, Paul's addressing how followers of Jesus should conduct themselves in their homes. And Paul was taking time, having his final moments here on earth, to speak to. What's that actually look like? If you follow Jesus, I understand there's some people that are watching today or in this room that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I just want you to understand that what I'm about to say, you're off the hook. But you need to know if you ever decide to walk into a relationship with Jesus, what Jesus has to say about the way that we're supposed to conduct our homes in our homes. The Bible has something to say about everything in terms of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. Because at the end of the day, you and I, before we represent our family, before we represent our, our workplace, before we represent any of that stuff, we represent Jesus. And Paul takes time to write this letter to these group of believers. And a few verses before our actual passage that we're jumping in today, in chapter 5, verse 21, Paul introduces this, this idea of submission. In fact, he just it's like the last fragment of a sentence. But with that, he's introducing what he's getting ready to go into. In other words, this submission is more than just the afterthought. It's actually a foundational thing for the next few things that he's about to say, that the word submission is key. And before jumping into how the home of a believer should function, he introduces this concept of submission. And you may be thinking, what in the world does submission have to do with the words that come out of our mouth? Stay with me. So Paul opens our passage today with these words. And this is in chapter 6, verse 1. And these are Paul's words as he writes. Children. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. 
This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. And if this that we just read sounds familiar to you, and you're like, hey, wait a second, I've heard this before, but I don't know that I heard about it from this particular verse. Paul's referencing one of the Ten Commandments. Moses is climbing a mountain, and, and he's got his tablets of stone, and, and, and God is getting ready to, to carve out his commands for his people that he had just rescued and, 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 and liberated from years of slavery in Egypt. God's getting ready to hand this to Moses. And he gave very specific instructions, I mean, to the point of like, if anything touches the mountainside, other than Moses, it will, it will die. I don't care if it's a goat. I don't care if it's a, some guy that's playing hide-and-go-seek with a sister. It's serious stuff. And, 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 the, and there, I can't even imagine what that would have been like to be in this camp and looking up and watching Moses go up into this mountain and then just seeing like the, a cloud or the, the presence of God just coming down on that mountain. And that's the scene that's being set here. And Paul reminds us of one of the things that God had said in the Ten Commandments. To honor your father and your mother. And what's neat about that is, if you read each of those commands, this one is the only one that actually has a, do this, and if you do, this will happen. All the other commands don't say anything like that. They don't say, if you do this, this things will go well with you. If you do this, you get a new job next Friday. If you do this, it was basically, do this. But honor your father and your mother basically didn't stop there. Do that, and if you do, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on earth. Now, a lot of people think, okay, and I did too growing up. Whenever I'd hear about someone dying prematurely, I would go, oh, they didn't honor their father and their mother. That's not, what, that's, that's not what is being said here. Or you hear of someone who's like lived to be 100, and you're like, that person must have really loved their parents. I have no idea. I'm 36 years old. Um, if you don't love Jesus... Long life on earth is not a blessing. I work with people that are 65 years and older every single day at a hearing aid center. And I'm telling you this, the one thing I've walked away with, I'm not looking forward to f forward. I'm not looking forward to getting older. And so it's not like, hey, if you're good to your parents, you're going to suffer a really long time before you get to see me. No, what, what, what's... What's being said is, if you, if you honor your father and your mother, my presence, my blessing is going to be on you. And so whether you live for the next 20 years or you live for the next 80 years, life will be full. My presence will be with you. My blessing will be on you. Because you understand the way things work. And you obey what I've asked you to do. 
as followers of Jesus, because of my reverence and my respect for God, I honor those whom God's placed over me. Let me say that again. As a follower of Jesus, because of my respect and awe and reverence for who he is, I honor who he has set up over me. Remember, Paul's introducing this idea of submission. It's not a, I, I'm nice to my parents so that I don't get killed early. It's, I honor and respect the same God whose presence came down on Mount Sinai and shook the place. That's who I serve. That's who created us. That's who I answer to. And you and I will stand before and give an account for the life that we live. And so the way that we treat the people that that God has put over us matters. And I honor them those whom God has placed over me. And, with, and when we honor those God has placed over us because we honor and love God, with that same reverence in mind, we honor those that he has placed in our care. That we honor and understand the weightiness of those that he has given us the opportunity to lead and to influence. It's the same awe and reverence and respect that should flow that should flow right into the way that we treat those over us and those that God's put in our care. It's a it's a it's a weighty thing. There's a weight of responsibility with that. That those people over us and under us that were created by Almighty God the same way that we were created. And that's where this, this flows from. This idea of submitting to the authority and, and the sovereignty, the love, I'm filling in the blank, of all that God is. So why spend most of this time talking about getting a proper understanding about what God's put in place, and how God's positioned certain things. And it's because of this. It's because what you and I believe is what we will live out. The things that, in our minds, we have a certain way, it, it influences the way we live out our lives. If I truly believe that cheeseburgers kill me, I'll stop eating them. But I don't, because I still eat them. You cannot say, you know, cheeseburgers are the devil, and then keep hounding them in. If I really be- what I believe, it, it, it determines, it influences, it, it, it's the filter through which all my decision-making goes through. And it's in, so it's important what I believe. And the, and the words that we speak, the Bible clearly says, that are just an overflow the things that come out of our mouth are just a result of what's already inside of us. Just like some of us have been in relationships before, and you're like, man, this person just, just brings the worst out in me. And you're like, yeah, that was already in you. They didn't do anything. All they did is happen to nudge you, and some stuff that was already inside of you just came spilling out. It was already in there to begin with. And so 
What we believe and what's in here matters, and the words that we speak is an overflow of that. And so it's, it's, it's important for us to get things straight in between our ears. And if, and if we can, even if we have a hard time wrapping our head around it or believing it, to get it in between our ears, eventually it's going to sink down into our hearts. And it will absolutely be the way that we live it out. And it will absolutely be the things that come out. Honor your father and your mother. So how do we honor those that God's placed over us? Because that's definitely something that God was very clear. And he hasn't changed his mind on this issue. It's not a request. It's a command. So how do we do that? How do we honor? Is it just obeying? Definitely includes that. It definitely includes that. And I'd say this, regardless of where you are, who you are, if you have parents in your life and they're speaking something to you, or they're saying, hey, this is the rules of the house, or this is what it looks like for forward, and they're not asking you to do anything that's contrary to Scripture and what it teaches, I know I'm not going to make some friends here with this next statement, but that's exactly what you should do. Let me say that again. If your parent is asking you to do something, that does not go against what the Bible teaches or what Scripture is very clear on, and they're asking that of you, that's exactly what you should do. Now, I understand that there's some some people in here that are like, okay, so um, parents are no longer here, or or, I'm a 50-year-old man, and my dad told me to go get a colonoscopy last week. So I'm not listening to that. Um, I'm just telling you. I, I'm, I'm just letting you know that at the end of the day, to honor, to obey our parents as best we can. Obviously, you're an adult and you're, you're your own person. But at the end of the day, coming under that submission, and even if it's a weird, awkward conversation, I, I hear what you said. I hear what you said. And I understand that you are who God's placed over me. And you. So I, with, with that awe and reverence in mind, I want to come to you. I want to have a conversation. If I don't agree with you, let's talk about this. But at the end of the day, I want to honor you. And I want you to understand that I respect you. And have a conversation with them if you need to. But obeying should be definitely a portion of what's it look like to honor our parents. Obey what they ask of me and as, as long as it doesn't go against Scripture. But what, is, what else does it look like to come under or to submit and to do so with our words? Um, to speak well of them to others. I have to be honest with you. With all the crazy stuff that's been going around our world, I have to be honest that that's something that I've really, really struggled with at work. There's so many different things that have just been um, mandatory or, or strongly encouraged, and at the end of the day, it's turned into mandatory. Things I don't agree with. And not only do I not want to come under that, I certainly don't want to speak well of them. And I find myself actually doing the opposite of that. Like, where in the world do they come off? Like, thinking that they're my... But speaking well of them to others. No, I don't have to lie. I don't have to be weird. I don't have to be fake about it. I'm not going to tell someone I love these policies or I love what they're handing down. But at the end of the day, when I'm sitting there talking about them and they're not present... just not honoring those that God's placed over me. And I've been guilty of that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm convicted of that. And that's not right. I should also pray for them. That the words that come out of my mouth, it's hard to get, it's hard to get, you know, just, 
just get crazy with someone when I'm praying for them. When I'm praying for them. I've found that one of the best things I can do for someone, if I'm struggling with, a, with forgiving them or I'm struggling with something that they said, one of the best things I can start to begin to do is to pray for them. And I don't know what it is, but I just know that when I start praying for someone, that at the end of the day I'd rather take this five-finger discount to their face, but I start to pray for them. I say, God, uh, would, you, would you bless them? If they don't know you, would they find you? Would you bless their families? Would you? It's, it's amazing how it just begins to turn our hearts and to start to see things and see people and see situations the way that God does and disconnect ourselves from the circumstances and the situations we find ourselves in, especially over the last year and a half, two years that we've been in. I speak well for them. I pray for them. If I have opportunity, I want to affirm them. I want to encourage them. I can think of people that, that I have in the same place of employment where, you know what, I don't agree with. But there's things that they're absolutely good and great at and things that I've learned and things that I see absolute like that's God's, that's God's work in their lives. They're, they're gifted here. I want to affirm them in that. I want to encourage them in that. I want to let them know, hey, I don't even know if you believe in God or not, but I believe that you have a gift and I just want to say thanks for using that. Thanks for making this world a better place. Thanks for encouraging and affirming them. But also thanking God for them. Those are just some ways to get the ball rolling. What's it look like to honor and to respect those parent or those, those over us? It's not about us and them as much as it is. It's all about God. And they're made in his image too. And I'm going to give an account. At the end of the day, the words that come out of my mouth and the posture of my heart towards that same creation of God. And when I do, Paul says, things will go well for me. As he reiterates back what God had written on those stone tablets. Paul then turns to the parents. So that's, we've kind of gotten done with the word for the children. But then Paul turns to the parents and specifically speaks to fathers and I want to be clear, because the, 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 the world that we're living in then, or they were living in then, and the world that we live in now are, are two different worlds. I have actually some, some people that I work with that are single parents, and dad's nowhere to be seen. And so guess what mom has the opportunity to do? She has to be mom and dad, and she has to find that and figure that out and, and, and try to, her best, at her best ability, try to be that for both. So I absolutely think that this could be a, work, a word spoken to, not just maybe just fathers, definitely spoken to fathers. But if, you're, if you find yourself, you're listening today and you're like, I'm a single mom. I got three kids at home. It's probably not, you're probably not going to struggle with this maybe as much as men, as men do, but I think this word could be for you too. And then Paul continues in verse four and he says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. There's a passage in Colossians, which is another letter that was written, and it very much so mirrors what Paul says here in Ephesians. And uh, to the, almost, like a, almost like a mirror, if you were to literally take those two passages together in, in the way that followers of Jesus are to conduct themselves in, in their relationships, especially in their relationships in the home. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, I love the way that... that um, the message is, an, is a translation or, 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 a, or a, uh, 
It is a version, I guess you could say, of the Bible. And I love the way that the message puts this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. And it says, Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. And for whatever reason, for me, um, until I read the Colossian, Colossians passage, it just didn't... <laughs> It didn't hit me in the chest. And the minute that I read that Colossians passage, crush their spirits. One says, don't provoke them to anger. The other says, or you'll crush, or crush their spirits. And I have to be honest with you. When Pastor Ryan was like, hey, um, would you like to speak in this series? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he's like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. I'm totally open to whatever you want. But I, I think this is the week. Do you mind speaking about this? I'm like, I wish I could speak about any of the others than, than that one. And I need you to understand that, uh, that, that, I, that I, love, I love this, and I love the opportunity, and I, and I don't take it for granted. But of all the words that we'd speak in this series, this is the one where I feel like I've botch it the most and the reason is is because I have uh, I've looked into the eyes of those I love most and I've seen the crushed spirit and I knew it was a result of the words that came out of my mouth and so I'm uh, standing before you today you know at the end of the day a crushed individual because that's the picture that Paul's saying, like, that's over the line. That's just too much. Um, that's not your role. <laughs> and I certainly didn't mean to. But time and time again, I've looked into the eyes of uh, the people that God's entrusted to me many times. And I've thought, <laughs> I am... I'm not living up to what Scripture teaches. So, if for no other reason, I want you to understand that um, I haven't got this figured out, and I'm certainly not coming from, or I don't ever think that because people are speaking and God gives pastors the opportunity to share and deliver the word that they've got it all figured out. I don't want you to ever think that. So maybe this is helpful to you if you've had that image of... People that have it all figured out are the ones that are supposed to get up and preach. But it's broken people, people that realize that without God, they're just nothing. And with him, we have everything. And we have a father that never gives up on us. But once again, with this thought pattern of submission... If God's given me this opportunity, and that's what it is, this opportunity, it's not I have to, it's I get to be a father. And before I had children, I got to be a father-like figure. I did nine years of youth ministry, and God's given me, and I got to do that. And if he has created these little ones and these people, He's given me opportunity to speak into their life, to lead them, and to watch over them. I want to honor my Heavenly Father 
by the way that I lead those little ones, by the way that I treat them, that he has placed in my care. And if I understand that and I go into it with that in mind, I think that's the proper posture. It's that I get to, and I'm going to screw it up. So what are some ways that we can crush the spirits of our children? I could give you a very long list because I happen to be very good at this. But being overbearing, punishment not, not fitting the crime, all rules and no relationship, or always letting the rules trump the relationship, never giving words of affirmation, being overly critical or negative, Never saying the words, I love you, or I'm sorry. So how do we keep from doing those things? Because it's pretty easy to do those things. In fact, I don't even have to try to do those things we just listed. It kind of sometimes comes natural, especially if you found yourself in a system or a, or a family where that was, just, that was kind of the way of doing things. And if, if it's, you, know, you came from a strict upbringing, man, it's, it's hard to break free from that. It's really, really hard to break free from the programming that's taken place as a child. So how do we keep from doing these things? Paul, a little earlier, in chapter 4, the same letter to the, the believers in Ephesus, in chapter 4, verse, verses 29 through 32, he's, he says this, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building up. We talked about that. We can tear down or we can build up. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Man, those are some pretty clear parameters. But you can't read this passage without, at the end of the day, understanding that at the end of the day, we should be building others up. That doesn't mean that there's never times for words of instruction or correction. As long as it's for building someone up according to their needs. But don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And keep in mind that Jesus has forgiven you by what he's done. So with that in mind... Now, go and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And with that in mind, as, as, as we set our eyes and our, and, our, and our focus and attention on Jesus, not just who he is, but what he has done for us, it's not a, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. It's a keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes on the one who loves us the most. He knows the very worst about us, yet he continues to think the best of us. 
We can't wrap our heads around that. But that's who has forgiven us. And with that in mind, it is not difficult to be kind and compassionate. And it is not difficult to build others up. When I think about what Jesus has done for me, I can't help but want to be a part of something positive in the life of another person. I can't help but tell someone about how I was and still am so screwed up, but he never gave up on me. And he still pursues me. And he still loves me and still is working with me in this process. And having, once again, my idea and my reverence on who he is, and I keep him at the forefront of my mind, I treat people differently. And I see people, and I see situations, and I see my family the way he sees them. And once again, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how can we get rid of these things? He's very specific on get rid of all Bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. How do we get rid of those things? I don't know exactly what that looks like for you. I don't know where, where you're at and what you're dealing with. But I do know this, that that when I have invited the Holy Spirit to have his way in me, that, that I... And I understand that for me to have more of Jesus, there has to be less of me. And I, when I submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there's a, there's a realization that there's all kinds of stuff inside of me that crowds out the room I need for more of Him. And so as I submit myself to Him, and ask him to do what only he can do, and that's bring those things to surface. And ask him for the help, for the relationships, for the friendship that I need to be able to walk out those things, that I can continue to submit those things to him and say, I, I don't know, I don't fully understand why I'm so angry or why I'm so bitter or why I'm, I don't fully even understand it, but I, but I see it coming out of me all the time, and it's to the people I love most and the people that I should be protecting from this. So, Lord, would you continue to pull these things and bring them to surface, and may I deal with them. May I confess them. May I find another brother or sister that I come alongside and say, I don't have this figured out. I've screwed up this week. Would you pray with me that this, this rage that's on the inside of me, and I don't even know where it's from, would you pray with me? Would you come alongside me? That God will do the work that only he can do, and he'll bring the people that you need in your life to walk that out. And he's been faithful to do that in my life. But it's this never-ending process of, man, I didn't realize that was in there. Oh, it's so ugly. But it, I, want to, I want more of you, and so would you take this so I can create more room for more of you? Maybe it's, maybe it's you need to forgive somebody. Maybe it's you need to go to counseling. I want to be clear. I've talked to so many people that have this screwed idea about counseling, especially Christian counseling, that they think that only weird people go to counseling. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like saying, 
It's like saying only stupid people go to the hospital. No, it's, it's smart people, smart people. Eventually, we're going to get our heads screwed on straight about it. Our psychological health is just as more, if not more important than our physical health. It's okay to say, I need help. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, I don't have this thing figured out. And evidently, by the way I treat those I love most, I've got some stuff inside of me. And maybe it's just confiding and asking God to bring someone in your life that could be a brother or sister to come alongside. You can confess and you can pray together and believe together and walk together. Maybe it's joining a life group if you're not in a life group yet. Paul continues in the second part of verse 4, and he says, So, don't come down too hard or you'll crush their spirits. Rather, and I love that he says rather, because that means he's about to say something really positive, something really good, something that I can do. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Rather, don't do this. We don't need to necessarily even be told that, right? Romans is pretty clear that we've all been created with the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. If you don't believe me, watch preschool. And the only thing that changes as we get older is we grow more facial hair and all that other stuff. We still have the same tendencies we did it just was instinct. She took it. Uh, I don't like her. Uh, we just get larger. We act the same. We don't need to hear what not to do. We're pretty clear on what we shouldn't be doing. But yes, yes, a way forward. What can I do? Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Paul says, don't tear down or exasperate your children or break their spirit. But build them up. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I need to just say this. As a former youth pastor, it is not the church's job to instruct children and teach the children and to raise children in the admiration and the knowledge of God and who he is and what he thinks of them. It is not the church's job. It's not the school's job. It is a job that God has put on the parents. I'd have parents that would send their kids to youth group and expect in one and a half hours for me to undo the last 80 hours of stuff they had been through for the last week. And that's the dumbest thing. Kids aren't stupid. They get it. They can read between the lines. They can see if what we're preaching on Sunday or what we're saying in a devotional as we go to bed at night matches the way that we live. It is not the churches, it's not the schools, it's not the counselors job or responsibility in raising our own children. For Christian parents, the expectation is that we are to be highly involved in the raising of our own children. I'm not saying you should go homeschool your kids because of what I just said. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, the strongest influence of a child is the home. It's in the home. 
I can be speaking words of life into teenagers and telling them, you're, you're more than just a piece of meat. You're more than just what your friends think about you or say about you or what the TV or what the movies tell you what you should or shouldn't be. You're more than that. that, that that you're a son and a daughter of the king, and I can do all that, but when they go right back into the environment that tells them they're not good enough, they're never going to amount to anything. Which do you think they're going to walk away feeling and thinking and believing? The home is a powerful thing, and the, our enemy hates it. The way that God set up the home, and the way that Paul's saying, this is how a Christian home should, should work, because it's powerful, it goes against everything that he'd want because it's a powerful influence. And so if you're a Christian parent, if you're here today and maybe you made some scripts like me, I don't want you walking out feeling condemned <laughs> that your kids are screwed up forever because of what you've done. But I do want you to understand that it's not Pastor Ryan's responsibility to disciple every single person within an hour and a half every Sunday morning. That's the same thing. It's the, I'm saying the same thing here. It's not his responsibility to disciple us in one and a half hours through a sermon. No. Monday through Saturday, life is lived. And man, there's kids out there that don't have a place to go where someone's speaking words of life to them. There are adults that don't have a place to go or where anyone is speaking words of life over them. There is places where there are single parents where they don't know what it's like to be built up. We have an opportunity. We have a responsibility to build them up. And what is Paul saying there in the discipline or the instruction that comes from the Lord? In my opinion, this is, is, as I read this and as I understand what he's said in other letters, this is the thing that he's trying to get at, is that we are to help our children not become angry or break their spirit. It doesn't mean we're never going to make mistakes, but we need to help our children or those that God's entrusted to us not to break their spirit or become angry, but it's also for our children or for those that God's entrusted to us, for them to know God accurately and intimately. And we can teach those things, and we should. And the words that come out of our mouth should point our children and those that God has brought along for us to care for, for us to see and to, and to be an overseer over. We should speak these things out. But, but they're watching. And that's the message at the end of the day. They're looking to see if our walk matches our talk. And they're walking away with both messages. And I hope that the message is the same. In my life, I'm, that's my prayer, is that the message would be the same. The words that come out of my mouth would be exactly what my, my children see. What are some examples that we could, of ways that we could build people up that God's entrusted to us? How can we build people up? Maybe it looks like this. Maybe it's, maybe it's writing a letter of encouragement to somebody. Maybe it's, maybe it's praying scripture over your children, whether or not they're literally there with you or over the screen. Maybe it's just in your, 
in your daily routine and your, your, your moment with the Lord is just praying scripture over your kids, speaking it out and believing for what God will do in and through their lives, regardless of what you're seeing in the present. Maybe it's, maybe it's telling them that you love them. Maybe it's saying you're sorry. I grew up with a lot of anger. And one of the things that that took me to a place where I would go from like, I'm I'm ready to fight, to just floored and just like, I don't, I don't know what to even say to that, would be when my dad would come in and apologize. I I know that there's some people here that you've never heard that before. You've never heard a parent apologize or, or whatnot. But I remember every single time I'd be so angry. My dad and I are very alike. And I remember when he'd come in and say, I need to apologize to you. While what I may have said um, would be true or could be true, the way I said it was absolutely wrong. And I want to ask if you would forgive me. And man, I go from clenched fist to like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And in that moment, it's like, oh, the only thing I can do is hold unforgiveness against him. And then it's like, me, now I'm the one who is already in a mess, and now I'm in a further mess. It's because he's already let it go. He's already, at the end of the day, lowered his pride and came to the table and said, I've made a mistake. And since I'm having my own family, I look back, and my parents have actually sat me down. This is before I even had a family. After I'd been out of, growing out of their house, and they, they sat down, they said, we just want you to understand, like, as parents, we did the very best that we could in that moment. But since then, we've looked back, and we were way too strict on you. We were way too hard on you. And I'd been thinking that for 15 years. But they didn't say that because I was poking and prodding and telling them how bad of parents they were. and because the Holy Spirit had done a work on their heart, and at the end of the day, they're looking back going, you know what? We understand the way God has designed this thing, and we're going to be responsible. And yes, we've made mistakes, and we want to apologize to you for that, but we want you to know that we're proud of you. And, and hearing those words of affirmation, and where, I love you, and I'm proud of you, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't be proud of me. I know me. I know what I did today or what I thought about it. To hear those words, man, it's such a powerful thing. Maybe it's reading a devotional or reading God's word if you still have kids at home. If you don't have them home, maybe it's, maybe it's when you get to see your grandkids, reading God's word over them, with them. Stories of the Bible before they go to bed, speaking words of life into your grandkids. I don't know what that looks like. But what I wanted to do as we button things up it would, is this. Um, I think every pastor across the world at the end of the day wrestles every week probably with God, how, what, do, 
What's the application look like? How, how can we walk forward with this? Or give, give me at least some, some ways that today we could walk forward with this word that we've been shared because God's word is living and active and it can change us. But we have to submit ourselves to it and we have to be willing to start living life or doing life differently and to step out in whatever he's putting on our hearts to do. And so um, this is... This is... Where, where I'm at. Um, as you walked in, there's cards on, on every other chair. We tried to make it about every other chair. And if there's not one near you, please go find a chair that where you can see that card is. And on the card that looks like this, it says, reach out to blank. And then it says, and tell them blank. And I, I just want to, I, I shouldn't have to do this, but the, the OCD part of me is going to say this. The, the and tell them blank shouldn't be, um, this is not your opportunity to, to tear someone down. Paul was very clear that everything that comes out of our mouth, even if it's instruction or, or a correction, should be for building someone up. I've been in church services where there's a word in tongues given, and there's a message, and sometimes it's been a, like a, ooh, man, that stings. I didn't even wear my steel-toe boots today. I got my toes stepped on. But it's always followed with a word of, 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 a word of hope, a word of building up, a word of affirmation, a word of encouragement. If you're listening to someone or someone's always speaking for the Lord and they're always beating you up, and I would say that they're giving you half the message. And they're probably not giving you the full dose, and you need to ask for the full dose because it's for building up. And there are times for correction, and I'll be the first to tell you, I need a lot of correcting. But it should be for the building up of someone. And so I don't know who that person is in your life. I don't, I don't know if it's a child, a biological or maybe a spiritual child of yours that God's granted you the opportunity to have as someone in your care or someone that, that you've been able to be a huge part of their life. Maybe it's someone that you've not really thought about your role in it is that. But my heart is, is that over the next few moments, you don't have to fill this out here if you'd like to, and you're that kind of a personality, and you're like, hey, if I don't do this here, it's not going to happen. Go for it. There's pins in the backs of the chair. But more than anything, if you, I want to welcome you to take this home, to ponder this, to pray about this, because I really believe this, that every single time someone took the time to reach out to me, and sometimes it was over a meal. Sometimes it was over nine or 18 holes of golf. Sometimes it was over fishing. Sometimes it was literally a text that someone took 30 seconds of their time to share what was on their heart, to speak a word of encouragement or affirmation to me. And I'm telling you, every single time, I don't care who it was or where it was or how it happened, it was powerful. And God used them in that moment. And so my heart or my prayer for you or to you, my, my challenge to you would be is who this week can you be for that person? Maybe it starts with God. Who's the person this week that you would love for me to come in and build them up, to encourage them, to understand that once again, this person's a son or a daughter of you. They belong to you. And I don't want for one second for this day or this week to go by without them knowing this. 
that you'd fill out that card and that you'd write that letter, give them a text, call them up for coffee, take them for rounds of golf, take them for fishing. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't even really know what to do with this. Maybe it's just a time for you to reflect and ask for forgiveness as we've just been talking about that. You're like, yeah, as we started talking about things like that, you started talking about your childhood, all of a sudden I'm reliving all this stuff. I thought I gave it to Jesus. It's, it's a process. It's not a one-time event. Forgiveness is a process. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness or and just being reminded that, that Christ Jesus forgave you. And maybe you don't have anything other than that to forgive someone with, but that's enough. That's enough. Maybe it's giving the Holy Spirit permission and coming under his leadership and submitting to him with all the bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice that's, malice that's inside of us. Maybe it's just, maybe today or this week it just looks like surrendering those things to him as he brings those things to service. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous prayer to pray. God, would you take the stuff that's inside of me that doesn't, doesn't please you, that doesn't bring you honor and glory, can you take it out so there can be more of you? If you don't believe me, pray that prayer and then come talk to me next week. It's a powerful prayer. It's a painful prayer because that's a prayer that God will answer. But maybe that's what this week looks like. Maybe it's inviting God to renew our minds and to begin to change the way that we think, that we've been raised a certain way or that we've always thought that this is the way that things should be. And something that was said today has caused you to go, you know what, maybe I don't have that all figured out. Maybe God does work differently than I thought he would or should that we are to submit to the authorities placed in our lives. And, and, and maybe this week it's someone that God's placed over us that we need to come under. And it doesn't mean that we just you know, do, do weird stuff or do things that, that, that don't follow Scripture. No, absolutely, don't, don't, do, don't do that. But I can think in my own life, areas that I just I have a hard time submitting because I completely disagree. Hmm, yeah. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Less of that, some more of him. Maybe this week it's taking responsibility for the way that you bring up your children. Or maybe for the way that you brought up your children and you have regrets. Maybe it's forgiving yourself. Maybe it's realizing that God in all of his sovereignty can still redeem what you feel like you've screwed up. That no one is beyond his saving grace and his mercy and believing for the salvation before you see it in your family. If that's you, I agree with you. I want to agree with you. And Maybe it's scripting a text or calling up a child or a parent today. Someone maybe you haven't spoke to in years. And telling them how much they mean to you. And that they're loved. Maybe it's to mend the broken heart of a parent who's carrying the weight of failing as the parent. That God is still in the reconciling, the repairing, the healing, and the drawing people to himself business. He's still doing that work and that there is still hope. I don't know what this week looks like for you, but this, what this card represents is would you be willing to wrestle to the ground whom you could build up this week.
Dear Heavenly Father, when I think about what the children of Israel must have seen as they're looking onto the mountain, as you're handing instructions or commands to Moses, I can't imagine that, the, the, the fear, the, the awe and the reverence and the respect. And to be honest, maybe a holy fear like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what to, what to wow. Maybe wow's it. Maybe that's all they could think of is, wow. When I think about that, I'm reminded about that's still you. That's still the God that we serve. That's still the God that created us. That's still the God that's giving us life and allowing us to breathe. This very moment that you're here. And with the same posture of reverence and respect, I ask that we would see people those over us and those that you've entrusted to our care, that, that we would see them as you see them and we would understand, especially if we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, your son, that the words that come out of our mouths and the way that we conduct ourselves would have you at the forefront that this is a son or a daughter of the king. Would you help me lead this individual? Would you help me come underneath the leadership of this individual as they've been created in your image and your word is clear that all authority has been placed by God. All authority belongs to you, and so therefore it comes from you. So understanding that and submitting to you and your lordship, that we would walk and talk accordingly in a way that brings you honor and glory. This week, would you speak to our hearts the people in our lives that need a word most. A word of who they are to you. A word of what you think of them. A word of what you have given them. and That we would build others up. We wouldn't anger or break the spirits of people. When we do, would we ask for forgiveness? But would we challenge people to know you accurately and intimately by the words that come out of our mouths and the way that we treat one another? May we challenge people and share with people who you are and that you want to know them intimately. Thank you for loving us and for knowing us intimately and for knowing the very worst about us, but yet continuing to think the very best of us. May you give us that same heart, those same eyes 
that same mouth to honor others as we look to you and want to honor you above all else. We love you. It's in your name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you guys for coming this week.